It's absolutely true. If you've got your Bibles, lift them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys sound great this morning. Well, a couple of quick announcements, things going on in the church. I always like to see, it's exciting to see the church grow, and we just had another group go through our uh, starting point classes. So if you are interested in joining the church or just getting some history on the church and what we believe, we just want to invite you. It's a four-week class. It'll start again on the uh, 1st of March. We've just had some people go through that. We'll be announcing those new members here in a couple of weeks. But you, So we grow that way, but we also grow on the inside, right? There are people that, that have babies and stuff. And so uh, we just like to, Bryce and Michelle, why don't you all stand up? 16 weeks pregnant. How cool. Good job. Way to go. It's awesome. And then Slade and Lindsay got married last weekend. You guys stand up. Come on. That's another, that's another way. Good job, you guys. Well done. Well done. And I'm gaining weight, so poundage is growing too. So, yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> no. uh, I wanted to do another real quick announcement. We have right now, Donald, are you in here? Donald in here, Brittnell? Okay, I think we have 30 guys signed up right now to go to our men's retreat. So we're really excited about that, but we still have some more slots. So guys, if you want to go, you need to get signed up. Uh, it's going to be April 13th and 14th in Branson. We're going to be going down at James River Church. It's going to be an incredible event. So please, uh, ladies, encourage your husbands uh, or boyfriends, etc., to go. It's going to be a good time. We're going to Bass Pro Shop. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, uh, you know, we're going to go down there and have a good time. So that's coming up pretty quick. You know, we're in this series right now, and I'm really enjoying it. It's called God's Promises. And one of the things as believers that's so important for us is to know what God says about us. To understand that God has made promises towards us as believers that when we receive him as Christ, when we're adopted into his family, there are certain rights and privileges that you receive by being a part of his family. But here's the deal. Even though they can belong to you, if you don't know what your rights are, if you don't know what these things are, you don't ever fully walk in them. And most Christians, and I'm just going to be honest right now, most Christians, including me growing up, we don't know. We know we're saved, and that's about what we know. And God's got all these things for us that he wants us to have and know and do and, and receive and be a part of. But if we don't ever know what those are and put them to effectual use in our life, they, they don't matter at all. They don't really work. And so we've been talking about the last three weeks so far about some of these promises. We're going to be in week four today, and we're going to talk about freedom. Now, remember where this series comes from. Uh, Church in the Highlands put this on years ago, and I think it's fantastic. During the Passover meal, there are four cups set on a table. And each of those cups represents one of the promises that God gave the Hebrew people when he was leading them out of Egypt. And so there are four distinct promises. Those promises are found in your notes there. There's the cup of sanctification, which is salvation. There's the cup of deliverance, which is what we're going to talk about today, and that's freedom. There's the cup of redemption, which is about restoration. And then the final cup is the cup of praise, which is fulfillment. Let me read this scripture. It's also on your screen there. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. 
This is God talking to Moses who's going to talk to the Israelites. And here's what he says. Therefore say to them, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then, after those things happen, then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So here's the thing. When we talk about the, the cup of deliverance or freedom, uh, it really makes a lot of sense when you think about it. But here's the question that I want you to think about. If God delivered them, okay, if he delivered them out of Egypt, why did he also need to set them free? If he delivered them, isn't that the same thing? And here's the truth. It is not the same thing at all. You can be set free, okay, released from captivity, but you can still need deliverance. Let's say that again. You can be released from captivity, but you still may need to be delivered. And here's what that looks like, okay? They were brought out of Egypt, but they still had some Egypt inside of them. Let me say that again. They were brought out of Egypt, but there was still some Egypt in here. And I would say that's the same for many of us. You can be set free, but if you don't change up here and you still have some things inside of here, you are still held captive to a certain degree. In other words, you're walking around with handcuffs on. You may be free physically, but you may still carry scars and different things that keep you still in the mindset, is the terminology we use, you can still have a slave mindset and be walking around in freedom. And God knew that. So he knew that when he set them free, he also needed to deliver them from some of the things that were going on. See, listen, the truth is this. Many of us, even though God has saved us, we have received salvation. When we die, we are going to heaven. We can still be plagued with habits, with addictions, and with bad attitudes. I'm going to say that again. Even though we can be saved, we can still be plagued with bad habits, with addictions, and with attitudes. And that's what the cup of deliverance is about. Let me say it to you this way. Salvation is in an instant. Because of the price that Jesus paid, and we've talked about that, we, once a month when we celebrate communion here, we remember what Jesus paid for, the price that was paid. It was such a heavy price. It was so taxing. It was meant so much that when we receive salvation, that's an instantaneous thing. But deliverance sometimes can be a process. God can deliver you in a moment, but for many of us, deliverance can take time. And that can be a difficult thing. And so the cup of deliverance, though, reminds us that God not only saves us, but he is also our deliverer. And I want you guys to remember about that. So so it's like this. The second cup is all about us changing. The second cup is all about us changing. So how does it work? Well, let me just explain to you some, some theological truths right here. You are made up of three different things on the inside of you. You're made up of three things. The first one is is your body, and that's your physical. You're made up the physical, right? The second thing is your soul, and the soul is made up the mind and the will and the emotions, and the final thing is the spirit, and the spirit is the part of you that is most like God. So body, mind, and spirit. Many of you have heard that. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard that. So here's the deal. When you receive salvation, your spirit is made perfect, and that's awesome. Instant perfection. But the truth is, the natural person needs some work. 
Look at your neighbor and say, you need some work. Come on, do it. Go ahead, right now. Yeah, see, you know you need it, don't you? Now look at your other neighbor and say, you know you do. Come on, go ahead. That's right. That's right. Listen to what Ephesians said. Let's look at what the scripture has to say about this. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. God saved you. This is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You were saved. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done so that none of us can boast about it. But notice what Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 says. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Isn't that interesting? He said, listen, grace free. How many of you are glad for God's grace? So let's just decide right now, you can't earn salvation. You just receive it. But notice here he starts talking about you need to work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So there's two different things here. We see salvation, free gift, but then you see over here he also says, but you need to be doing something. If you're just sitting, hey, I'm saved and that's it, baby. I'm going to heaven, punch my ticket, and I'm done. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. God has said, look, I paid an incredible price for you, but now we need to begin to work out what's going on in your life. And I want you to understand something today, guys. This is so important. God wants you to have an amazing life, but not just in heaven. He wants you to have a good life here, too. You know, I said it the other day, right, last week, that many of us may have grown up where we realize we're saved and we're just holding on so that hopefully we make it into heaven and, and nothing else really changes in our life. and We're just trying to keep our head down so hopefully God doesn't get mad at us. And that's not what he called us to. Jesus said, I've come that you have amazing overflowing life. And that's not in heaven, that's here. So here's the thing. If you're living underneath anything but that, there's something going on. And can I just tell you, it's not on God's end. These are the promises that he's given us. And, and our passion is that every person in this room know the full extent of how much God loves you and that you walk in that. Paul says it this way, I wish you would understand the height and breadth and depth and width of the love of God. Even though you can't get it, I wish you could because once you get that and you begin to understand who you are, it changes everything. It changes everything. And we go from being these legalistic, follow-all-the-rules people to people that understand the rules are there to protect us. And we embrace them, not because we're trying to fulfill some religious commandment, but because we understand that God's good. And he has an awesome plan for us. And we want to be close to that. And it really is a heart thing. So notice what he says here, the second part of or verse 9 in Ephesians 2. He says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so that nobody can boast about it. It's not about you being so good. Look at how holy I am. I mean, right then you sinned. That's pride. It's not about that. But I love what he says here in verse 13 in, in Philippians 2. He says, for God is working in you. Doing what? Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's God working in us. So it's not about me trying to conjure up, oh, I got to be holy. Ah! 
Now I'm holy. It's not how that works. It's God inside of you just being holy. You know, I I read something the other day, and I thought it was really good. It said, "If if you have to tell everybody you're the boss, baby, you ain't the boss. Right? Isn't that right, babe? (laughs) She told me I'm the boss. (laughs) Aren't I? Yes, I am. (laughs) But if you have to go around telling everybody you're the boss, you ain't the boss. It's what's on the inside. It's what's on the inside that what really matters, amen? So what does this look like? How does this work out in practical life? Let me talk to you about some of the things that that God wants to work out in you and work out through you, okay? Look at number one on your notes. God wants to give you victory over sin. Victory over sin. And let me just say it to you this way. Victory over sin is about the choices that you make every day. This is your day-to-day choices, the decisions you make. Am I going to run the red light or not? Am I going to cheat on the test or not? Am I going to gossip or not? It's the day-to-day decisions that you make. And God wants to give you victory over sin. Romans 7, 21 through 25 says this. So this is Paul. Now, this is the Apostle Paul talking, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And this is what he says. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a what? Prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then he says this, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he goes on to say, thanks be to God who delivers me through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is Paul acknowledging that as long as I'm in this flesh, there's a struggle. There's a struggle. For some of you, every time you walk by the refrigerator, there's a what? Come on. There's a struggle. But just in life, there's a struggle. There's these, these tendencies that we have. Some of you, it may be gossip. Some of you may be lying. Whatever it is, there's these things inside your personality that as much as you want to do the right thing, what happens? There's a struggle. And so we need help getting this victory. I don't mean just suppressing. I mean where we can actually get victory over these areas in our life. Let's look at number two on your notes. So we need victory day to day. But here's what we also need, number two. We need healing from wounds. Healing from wounds. And this is things that have happened in your past. So the victory over sin is what I do every day. It's the decisions that I make day in and day out. But also, each one of us in here has a past. Each one of us in here has things that have happened to us or things that we've done to other people, and they're, they're there. You know what I'm talking about? So let me put it to you this way. You are made up of the decisions you make every day, but you're also made up of the decisions or the things that have happened to you in your past. All those things added together kind of make up who you are. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says this. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. One of the decisions Trish and I made when we were dating, before we even got married, we, were, we went through our premarital counseling. That was an awesome time. How many of you have ever been through premarital counseling? I just a little story I'll tell you. 
we went through premarital counseling, and a friend of mine that was a pastor is the one that took us through the class. <clears throat> I remember walking out of the class one night, sitting down in the Jeep, and banging the steering wheel of my Jeep. I was so mad. I said, everything's my fault. <laughs> you remember that? I remember, and I, and I knew the guy. I'm like, man, he's a jerk. Because what I began to realize is as we were going through this class, it began to uncover things in my life. And there were areas in my life that I needed to work on, which by myself I didn't notice. Right? But now that I was about to get married, there was somebody that noticed some of that thing. Right? I thought I was awesome. <laughs> Mama said I was awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> but we began to dig in here and start seeing what was going on in our lives, and, and we began to realize there were challenges, and one of the things in our relationship that's true with everybody is that we're going to make each other mad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Steve makes me mad all the time. He just makes me mad. <clears throat> but the truth is we're human, and we're going to hurt each other. And I'm sorry it even happens in the church. We hurt each other. And so Paul, as he's talking right here, gave us some incredible advice in relationships, and not just in marriage, but in life in general. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Because what it does is it gives the devil a foothold. In other words, let me put it to you this way, maybe you'll understand. It gives the devil a handle. And can I just tell you something? When you go to bed mad like that, how do you wake up usually? Worse. Worse. And, and what happens is it's like planting a seed, your little anger seed, right? And it goes in there, and then overnight that thing begins to bloom. And you wake up in the morning, and here we go for round two. And God tells us, he's saying, go make it right. You realize Jesus talked about if you, if you go down to the altar, if you come down to the altar and you're praying, and he says, if Jesus is talking, he says, if you remember that you have ought against your brother, what do you need to do? Leave your offering and go make it right. That's powerful. Because I want to tell you something, folks. Relationships in the kingdom of God, your relationship with God and your relationship with people. And I want to tell you right now, this, uh, this is some of the best relationship marriage advice I could ever give you. Don't go to bed like that. You better fix it. There have been some long nights because Trish did something dumb and I had to help. <laughs> like, man. Security. <laughs> No, but there have been some nights before where we were having conflict, and we said, you know what? We're not going to bed until this is right because we know what the Scripture says. We know. And so I just want to tell you right now, there's some things there that you need to realize that there's some things that have happened in your past that God wants to heal you from. But can I just, y'all, hear the heart of God for you right now, okay? This is the important stuff. Make it right. Make it right. Say, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. I'm sorry. We live in a fallen world with broken people. Make it right. And, and some of you, there may have been people that hurt you. Man, this is good, Lord. And they've died. They've gone on. Forgive them. Because you're still holding on to that. 
And those wounds are still there. You know what I'm talking about. You know, on my left knee, there's a scar from when I was in high school playing football and tore my knee up. And they had to go in there and take out a bunch of cartilage and ligaments and gummy worms and whatever else I had running inside my leg. But when I, I see that scar, I can remember that moment. I can still remember that pain. And those old wounds, if we don't deal with them, they're still there. Amen? Here's the other thing God wants to help, help you with. He wants to give you authority over the enemy. And can I just say something today, y'all? There is a devil, and he's real, and he don't like you. There is a devil, he's real, and he doesn't like you. Now, here's the thing. You don't need to be in fear of him, but you do need to recognize that he's working out there. That young boy this past week that took the lives of all his fellow students, there was something working inside of him. There was something going on there. There is evil in the world. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let me tell you one of the ways I can tell when somebody is maturing in their relationship with Christ is they can look past people and see what's going on behind them. Such and such is hurting me. They said this, this, that, and the other thing. And here's what I want you to think of. Why? That's maturity. Yeah, we may have to deal with whatever they're doing right now, but why are they doing that? Because if all we ever look at is just the results of what's going on, that's not really mature, is it? That's just looking on the surface. That's not going anywhere. What's really going on is why are they doing what they're doing? And when you can look back and begin to see those things, that's when God can really begin to use you. And I want to tell you something else. If you'll begin to do that also, that's where maturity and patience begins to grow inside of you. But if all you ever do is respond to what people say immediately, immediately, you're never going to grow beyond that. You're going to just retaliate constantly, and you're never going to solve anything. Why? Because the devil's back there destroying. Remember what we talked about two weeks ago? Jesus said the devil comes only to do what? Kill, steal, and what? destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly overflowing to the full. The two different sides of the coin. But that also means the devil's over here doing what he does. So you got to be aware of that. Some of you need the promise of God in your life because you want to be free. You know you're saved, but you want to be free. And I want to tell you something. The third and fourth cup, the, there's four cups in this series. You, if you don't ever get free, you never get to enjoy cup number three and cup number four. As a matter of fact, what the devil would like to do in your entire life is keep you right here. He can't steal your salvation, but he can keep you from being full and free. And if he can, he will. And God doesn't work, want you to be that way. He wants to heal you and set you free. Let me say it to you this way. You can't go on tomorrow until you've settled yesterday. Say that again. You can't go on tomorrow until you've settled yesterday. So I have a question today. Who wants to be free? Anybody? Yeah. I think the truth is all of us want to be free. 
You know, I've used this illustration before, and then I'm going to go into the final part. You know, during the, the Civil War, when Abraham Lincoln set the slaves free and the, the Emancipation Proclamation went out, and they went and said, hey, you guys are free. And they're like, what's that mean? And even though they may have been physically set free, their mindset was still that of a slave. And until you change up here, nothing's really going to begin to change in here. You've got to get this. You've got to get it. You've got to embrace it. So here's what the cup of deliverance is. It's freedom. Here's what that cup is. Romans 8 verses 1 through 2 says this. So now there is therefore no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has what? Freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So what God is telling us here is, look, now that you've received Christ Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes in here and starts living in your life, you need to get rid of condemnation. Because, see, that's what the devil wants to do. What the devil wants to do is remind you about what you did. You know what you did. How can God ever use you? Look at what you've done. Look at what you've said. That's what he does. He throws that back up to you. He throws it back in your face. But what the word says is there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that we are new creations. Not a new and improved you, a different you. That's incredible, isn't it? And think about it. It's amazing to me that the Apostle Paul is the one that wrote this because if there was any human ever on the planet that needed to be a new creation, it was Paul. Because remember, he was Saul. And he thought he was doing God a favor by killing Christians. So if there was everybody, anybody that was ever uniquely qualified to talk about condemnation, it would be him. He literally thought he was doing God a favor by killing us. And yet when he came to that knowledge of who Jesus really was, the Bible tells us that he went off into the desert for three years before he started his ministry. And don't you think he and Jesus had some conversations? Can you imagine? God, how can you use me because of what I've done? You know that happened. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to him, says, there is there now no condemnation. Your past is gone. That's incredible. And so we need to have that in us as well. Listen, we all have issues, but don't let your past stop you from becoming the person that God wants you to be. Romans 8, 5 through 6 says this, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by who? The Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to what? Life and peace. What is he saying here? But letting the Holy Spirit control your what? The Bible says, as a man thinks he is, so is he. And so God, when we allow the Holy Spirit to come and start working in here, he begins to rewire us and begins to work on our mind. But there's a process that he goes through to do that. Notice this, Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, which will ruin you, but be filled with the Spirit. you got to replace something. 
2 Corinthians 3, 17 says this, The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. So I want you to see something here. And I, I thought about this this week, and so I did a little bit of study. And uh, anybody ever heard of a guy named Aristotle? Old guy. Some of y'all, Dennis, you went to school with him. You remember him. Aristotle, ancient Greek philosopher, ancient, old. Dennis can tell you all about him. Um, but here's what Aristotle said. I just want to read this because I think it's really cool. Here's what Aristotle said. He said, nature abhors a vacuum. Aristotle based his conclusion on the observation that nature requires every space to be filled up with something, even if that something is colorless, odorless air. The same principle is at work in our spiritual lives. When the Holy Spirit begins to convict us or convince us of sin, the idea of starting a self-improvement plan immediately comes to mind. We put forth our best effort to defeat our worst habits. But every attempt to get rid of unclean thoughts, attitudes, and desires is destined to fail. Because getting rid of one area in our life creates a vacuum in our souls. And as soon as we empty ourselves of one vice, others move in to take its place. And we end up just as bad or worse than when we started. And Jesus talked about this. Thinking about vacuums help us to understand the importance of what Paul was saying to the Ephesians when he prayed that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith, that they would know the love of Christ, that they might be filled with the fullness of God. Here's the, here's the principle. If you remove something, something fills it back up always, every single time, even if it's air. If you remove something, something fills it up. If I take one of those chairs and move it, there's still oxygen there. And in our lives, if you begin to remove things out, if God begins to work on you and convict you, hey, I need to work on this area, something needs to happen, if you pull that out and you don't put something back in it, I promise you something else is going to show up. You have to fill it back up with something. And what Paul is saying here in the three scriptures before is that's the Holy Spirit's place. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if the Holy Spirit begins to come in here, he's going to push the rest of the stuff out. But if by your own effort you just work on your life, that's not going to work. Matter of fact, you can end off worse than you were before. So we need to let the Holy Spirit begin to do his work inside of us. That is his job. So let me ask you a question today. How do you deal with the issues? How does that go on in your life? Well, the truth is we need the Holy Spirit to work in here. And, and here's the thing, guys, and I want you all to hear this. It is so common for us when we realize a problem that we try to fix it. How many of you are fixers? How many of you try to fix things and make it worse? Right? That's really what Paul's saying. Is that you need to allow the Holy Spirit to come in here and begin to work on things. But can I tell you what the key is to that? Is surrendering to him and letting him do it. And it is so hard for us to release control of these things and try to fix them ourselves when the reality is the Holy Spirit is the only one qualified to do it. And that's why Paul is saying, look, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you're going to try to do it yourself and you're going to mess it up because you're not qualified. Only God is. Can I tell you where God uses a lot of times or how God uses a lot of times to, 
to deal with these issues in your life? It's relationships. It's relationships. God will use people many times to help you find these areas in your life. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Have you ever watched how Jesus would deal with people? He, he, was, he would always deal with what their issue was, but he would do it in such a way that he never condemned them. Isn't that interesting? Think about it. Every person that you see. Now, when he was dealing with the religious leaders that were oppressing the people, he was very strong with them. And sometimes when he was dealing with his disciples, he'd get aggravated with them. How many of you have ever been aggravated with anybody? Point to somebody you get aggravated. Just let me see right now. Who is that? Because here's the thing. Even Jesus, check this out. Even Jesus would get upset with his disciples. He would say things like, how long do we need to talk about this? Some of you with with uh, young men in your family know what I'm talking about. How long do I need to tell you to take a bath? <laughs> Brushing your teeth every day. Come on, you know. But you can see Jesus, even when he was talking to his disciples. Now, these are the ones that were with him every day. There were times he'd be really firm with them. But I find it very interesting that whenever Jesus would deal with broken people, you see the heart of God manifested in the compassion that he moved with them. In other words, you can trust him. See, surrendering to God sounds really good on paper, but Josh, in practice, that's hard. Because here's the thing. Surrendering to him means he gets to really look inside of here. Here's the key to being free. Surrender. I'll say that again. The key to freedom in the kingdom of God is found in your surrendering everything to him. In other words, letting him deal with your stuff. And he's going to do it primarily using the Holy Spirit and through relationships with people. I want to show you a scripture that I've always found was very interesting. Actually, two of them. First one's this, Proverbs 28, 13. He who conceals his sins does not what? Prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds what? So here's the visual image. It's pretty simple. If you try to hide your sin, you're not going to prosper. But if you confess it, you're going to find mercy. But it's the opposite of how we live in our society, isn't it? We try to cover everything up. The habits, the addictions, the sin that's in our life. And I'm not talking about going out in front of the whole wide world and exposing all your sin to them. That's not what I mean. But what God tells us here is that if you're trying to do this, you're never going to walk in fullness. You're never going to do it. So what does that look like? Well, let's look at the New Testament. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And what? Pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. Wow. You know, we've got a class that we're going to be starting here again before too long with Ed and Barb. And it's, ta- it's a freedom class. It's going to be a class designed to help people get past their past. And we've had people go through it and God's done amazing things in our life. Because guys, can I just be honest with you? This is most of our hang up. This is where most of us camp out. 
We can't ever seem. We want to be free, but we run up next to that, and, and then we see, you know, Jesus is right there, and he says, all right, we need to deal with this, and we say, I'll get back with you, Jesus. Right? Because to expose this seems too painful. And yet God tells us if you want us to be free, we've got to surrender. We've got to go there, in other words. We've got to go there. There was a young man in the Bible. They call him the rich young ruler. He was very, very wealthy. He came up to Jesus one day and he said, Jesus, I want to, I want to get into heaven. What do I need to do? And Jesus gives him the list and you got to follow this, that, and the other thing. He goes, done it. Done it all. The Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. So you know right there where Jesus' heart was. So Jesus looked at him and goes, this guy's really trying. But like Jesus does, he looked down and he saw what that young man's challenge was. He said, all right, one more thing you need to do, fella. Go sell everything you have and come follow me. And the Bible tells us, we don't know how long he stood there. The Bible tells us that he went away sad because he was very wealthy. Now, the spiritually immature people will say, yep, that's, what I, that's what's wrong with rich people. And that's some of us, there have probably been sermons you've heard over that, and that's crazy. That's not the problem. It could have been, it could have been, you need to just quit watching football all the time. Or it could have been, you need to stop whatever. It just happened to be that that was his thing. See, here's, the, here's what was going on. He didn't own all of his possessions. What? All of his possessions owned him. And so Jesus was having that heart to heart. And he said, I can't do that. And so he walked away. Can I just tell you, as sad as some of you might really feel, wow, that's so sad that he did that. What about you? What is it in your life that's keeping you? You've gone, you've gone all the way up. You're at 99.9%, and now Jesus turns around and says, man, let's talk about, you're like, oh, no, 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 I can't go there. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Therefore, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Can I I say something here? It does not confess your sins so you'll be forgiven. That's God's job. Confess your sins so you'll be healed. You know, I'm thankful to say that there are people in my life, Trisha, and I've got a few other people in my life that I trust with my life that I can go to and say, look, I'm struggling with this. I've got a challenge here. And I need some help. You know, that's what that is. Because here's the thing, and y'all please hear me. You've heard me talk about this before, but you got to get it. Imagine that sin is like cockroaches. What happens when you turn on the light? Right? They hide. Sin in your life's the same way. That's why when you're trying to hide your sin. Because if you expose it, you can see it. And if you see it, you can deal with it. But So when you confess it, when you confess it, then that gives the opportunity for healing to come. So here's what I want you to think about right now, and I'm going to close. 
Are there areas in your life that you're holding back? Is there something or some things that are keeping you bound up? And let me just say this to you. Jesus doesn't show you sin to condemn you. He lets you see it so you can be set free. He said, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I'll walk with you through it. But you've got to be willing to go there. You've got to be willing to go there. So how do we get there? Well, I just want to tell you this. The first thing you need to do, and this is the last three things on your notes here, four things. You need to be water baptized, and you need to be baptized in the Spirit. You need to be baptized, guys. If you haven't ever been baptized and you're a believer, we need to do that. That's a commandment Jesus gave us. But he also says we need to be filled with the Spirit. And now you know why. Because the Holy Spirit needs to fill us up so all that other junk can't take over. That's why. You're going to be filled up with something. What? Second thing is, Church membership. Now, here's the deal. That doesn't mean you have to join our church, but you need to be connected to a body. You need to be connected to a body. You know one of the reasons people get scared of that? I've seen it in relationships over and over again. People run from relationships, and a lot of the reason why they do that is they don't want people to see what's going on in here. If I keep you at arm's length, if I keep you at arm's length, you don't really see inside of here. But when you get close, people begin to see your flaws. Right? And I want you to consider, whether you join our church or not, that's not very important to me. But what is important to me is that you're connected somewhere. Why? Because you need each other. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you complete me. Come on, go ahead right now. I love doing that. It's true. We need each other. We are incomplete. So if you've never joined a church and you want to join, this is a good one. This is as good as one of I've ever seen. Pastor's weird, but everybody else is pretty awesome. <laughs> I heard that, Mark. I know that was you. That's why we have these membership classes. Come and find out. But if you don't join here, connect somewhere where you feel comfortable. Be a part of the body. Here's the last blank. Connection. Connection. And I put in parentheses on my notes, relationships. You know, some of the best relationships I have in the world are there's some people in this room. People that fill you up. You know, I've learned there's really two kinds of people in the world. There's, there's emotional and relational vampires they suck the life out of you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't point. That is so not nice. But there are, there are people that suck the life out of you. But then there are relationships that God gives you, and they pour life into you. Kind of like this. People are like a, a big, cool drink of water. There's people in this room that some of you have relationships with. When you see them, you just feel better. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, Tracy. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. But Seriously. God made us for relationships with each other. So here's my question to you. So I want you to think about this. How many people do you have that are close to you that are godly people? Do you have some? You can't do life alone. 
You need each other. You know one of the reasons we're building that thing? Connection. That's what it's for. It's a family life center. Gonna be fire pits out there. We can stand around. Maybe I can even light a fire. (laughs) There's a fireplace inside. You know, I told the guys, the only thing I want in this thing is a fireplace. And you know why? Because when people walk in there, I want them to think I'm home. I want it to feel like that. Why? Because it's a place for us to connect. Why? Because we need relationships. And so I'm going to ask you to do something brave. God wants to set you free. He's going to do it relationally two ways. The Holy Spirit's going to have to work on you, and you're going to have to surrender and let him do it. But the second thing is some of you need to begin to take risk and develop relationships. Does that scare anybody? You say, Pastor, people have hurt me before. Yeah, and they probably will again. That's okay. It's worth it. It's worth it. So you need to do that, amen? Let's pray for a minute. Father, thank you for the cup of freedom. And as we've talked today, Lord, I know that for some of us, when we start touching that area of of hidden places in our life, it can be scary. Those hidden sins, those things we work so hard to, to push down and hold back, and yet we're really held captive by them. You tell us that in your word. Right now, I'd like you just to, no, but don't worry about anybody else around you. I just want you to really, for a second, look in your heart. You know, are there some areas in your life that you're hiding? Maybe some secret sin that's got a hold of you? Jesus said, I came to set the captive free. And I came to heal the brokenhearted. He came not just to die so you could go to heaven. He came here to set you free. Man, that's awesome. Lord, I just ask you right now as we're all sitting here that as your word has just covered us today, Lord, and your Holy Spirit's here, and I know he is. Let's pray, Lord, that you would shine the light on those areas in our life and help us to be brave. Help us to be brave, to look on that area. Lord, I just ask you to show us those places. If you're here today, and we want to start that journey to freedom, you want to begin to to embrace the fullness that God has for you. You're saved, man, you're a follower of Christ, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's some dark places. And I tell you, this is a safe place. We're not gonna condemn you. We're here to walk in freedom with you. Man, we are you. Maybe we're just a little ahead in some places. that's you and you'd say, Pastor, there's some areas in my life and I just want you to agree with me in prayer. I want to allow God to come in and do a work. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. See your hand. See your hand. Amen. 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 
Let's all stand this morning. A couple people that have raised their hands. I want you want us to do something today. Just in a moment, I want you to take your hands, just put your hands over your heart this morning. There's nothing magical about this. I just don't want you worrying about what's going on around you. I just want you to stay in an attitude of prayer and let's just pray for a second. Just, just repeat after me if you want to. Remember, this is not a magical thing. This is just you being honest with God. Prayer is just talking to God. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, you know my heart. You see these areas that are dark. I'm asking you to come in and heal me. Make me the person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me just tell you what the scripture just told us. It said confess your sin to one another. Why? So that you can be healed. And so there's some really mature people in this place, spiritually mature people. I don't want you to go blabbing your mouth to everybody you know about some challenges that you've got. But I want you to know, you can call up here and we want to take the time that you need to begin to unload these things and let God set you free. There are some people in this place that God has set them free. And they're free indeed. And that's what we want for you. So what you need to do is you need to call us. You need to, I'm going to stand up here for a few minutes, come down. We'll set up a time to sit in. We will take the time that you need to get free. Amen? Because it's worth it. All right, I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to release you. Father, I just pray for everybody here today, Lord. I pray that you'd keep your hand on them. Father, I pray that you would let courage rise up inside the heart of people. They'd be willing to come and, and be set free, Lord and be the people that you've called us to be. And we thank you for that. As we leave this place, Lord, help us to remember we're walking into a, a dark place. There's a lot of pain and hurt out there, Father, but you've called us to be the light of the world. And so, Jesus, we're gonna do it. And help us to shine. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet to people that need it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you at the business meeting Wednesday night. I'll need to see the board members.